Midlife Moxie. We are a community and podcast all about midlife women making this one of the best seasons of their lives. Well, I'm one of your hosts, Gail. And I'm Christina. We're going to be sharing our stories, struggles, and joys while bringing you experts on topics that you care about. And we're going to do it while having a whole lot of fun. So buckle up, girls. Let's get our Moxie on. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey. What it's up? Time to record another amazing episode of Midlife Moxie. And this is something I feel like we've not really covered yet. Mm-mm, no, we haven't. And you know, you know, Gil, that this is one of the things that you and I suffer from a lot is just the Shut your brain. Mouth. Hey, listen, I'm just keeping it 100 wrong here. With my brain. To- <laughs> Well, but uh, no okay, joke. maybe let, let, let's just say it's, something it's else. mine. It's mine. Like it, it is a hard thing to, I, I want to say, get under control because we have so many things coming at us. And I think that we're going to really dive in here and find out what does good brain health look like? What does But you know what I feel like with my brain? Mean? In midlife, I have felt like my brain is full. And it's yes. like a filing cabinet, and a couple of things have happened. One, somebody shuffled the files around, and I can't freaking <laughs> find them. I might find them later. Yeah. Yep. Or that it's so full to, that to take on something new and remember it, something has to go, it's like and an, I don't get a choice yeah. in what leaves. So I just forget stuff to make room for the new stuff. So those are my theories, but somebody's going to tell mm-hmm. us if that makes any sense, because <laughs> hence, she's hence actually, our notes. Yeah. <laughs> She is actually a gerontologist. I'm going to let her tell you all about that. Mm. And she specializes in brain health. So when I saw this gal, I met her, found her on LinkedIn, I think. I don't know how, but I'm like, we have to talk to her. And we actually were going to first, I wanted to talk to her about sleep. Oh, I found her through Cool Life. That's how. And then when I found out what she does with brain health, I'm like, forget that. We'll get somebody else for sleep. You, I've got to talk about this. So we want to welcome to the Midlife Moxie, Patricia Faust, her debut appearance here on Midlife Moxie. I say that because Patricia, we have plans for you. Yes, you don't we even do. Know. Oh, I love <laughs> she, that. She, I love that. I don't know. I don't know if she knew what she was getting into. Hopefully, she's watched or, or listened a couple <laughs> a few of the episodes. Do know. So. Have you listened yeah, to episodes, yeah. Patricia? No, I, I've i really been in a, it's just a lot going on right now. <laughs> so Yeah, she told us that, like, we're well, so lucky to get her, but we can get a little rowdy over here at Midlife Moxie. We cuss a little bit. We do I love like Jesus, it. so it's all okay, but we are so excited, <laughs> and we're going to not fool around today. Less tomfoolery yeah. today, because there's so much to cover, and we have notes. <laughs> Uh, everybody wants out. <laughs> could be dangerous. But Patricia, first tell everybody what a gerontologist is and what you do. Well, gerontology is simply the study of aging. And as a gerontologist, I look at it, it really encompasses a lot. And right now with the boomers going into older years, gerontologists are playing a big role in what's going on. They'll look at issues like caregiving and um, elder care in the workforce. And um, 
caregiving is the big one, and then dementia and Alzheimer's, and the big impact, the the socio-financial cultural impact Alzheimer's is going to have, because there's so many boomers, that the numbers are going to just really escalate. And the reason I Mm. chose to go into brain health is I was at an aging conference, and I noticed a uh, company that introduced brain fitness. And this was back in 2006. And it's like, what? You know, this is crazy. So I uh, I checked it out. And I've got a big medical background. This whole gerontology thing is my second half, third, maybe my third, you know, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I the one thing that it just stuck with me is that we have the power to change our brain. And in doing that, we can actually prevent Alzheimer's. And I thought, oh, my God, everybody needs to know this. So that's why I, that's why I just, uh, started specializing in brain aging and brain health. Nice. Wow. That, this is awesome. I'm, I'm excited, Gail. Like, let's I just want to ask all the questions. Like, yeah, let's tell go. Me how gonna, to fix, tell me how to fix my brain so I can We're going to let her talk. Christina and I are going to talk less today, we promise, because... <laughs> we we and really gonna, need this episode, Christine. And, and to heck with yeah. our listeners. This is for us. No, I'm just kidding. We think this is going <laughs> to well, help and, a lot of people. Pat- but if nothing else, Patricia, Christine and I are going to get on track here. Absolutely. Well, and Patricia, here's here's the other thing um, is that we love actionable items. And so I feel like we're going to get a lot of resources from you today. I think we're going to get a lot of um a lot of good things to help us move in the direction that we need to, especially in this second half of our life, you know, and we really want to show up well. So we're excited about the actionable items. We are super excited. So quickly, let's just, um, to start, kind of lay the groundwork. Tell us quickly what happens with our brain as we age. Well, what happens is your brain starts aging from the minute you're born but it's aging in a different way because you're going through expansive growth from the minute you're born until around your mid twenties and you're growing all kinds of new cells and new connections and because you're learning so much and your brain's working on all cylinders and about around age 25 or so 25 to 30, that massive growth slows down to the point that now you're using everything that you build up but you're not replacing what you're losing. So through your 30s, you're you're losing cells. I mean, that's maybe that's the time when you're having the, you know, the most fun. You're really, you know, pushing the limits on on your lifestyle and you start to notice that your really sharp, fast-moving brain is not as sharp as it used to be by the time you're around age 40. Speed of processing is really a critical um, thing to know because that's how fast our brain works. When we take in information and we give a response, if our brain is slowing down, we can't take in all the information fast enough and then we can't process that information fast enough. So if you ever notice, this was quite a few years ago, I I was watching a, a commercial for Honda And they were targeting very young people. And the two women in the front seat, young women in the front seat, were talking so fast. (laughs) I didn't know what they were saying. And I watched that commercial like multiple times and I never got it. But they got it. And probably everybody else in that, you know, young 20 age got it because their brains are moving really, really fast. I went back to school 
to get this gerontology degree when I was 50. And all my classmates were 25. So Mm. the professor would yell out a question. They're answering the question. I'm sitting there trying to figure out what the question even was. So I, oh my gosh, I I love that. I'm right there with you, girl. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, why is she speaking our language right now? The fact (laughs) that you had the courage to go back to school at 50. Okay, first of all, let's just, I'm bowing down to you, Patricia, (laughs) because so basically you're saying after about 25, it's kind of downhill. Is that what you're saying? So we speak in terms of cognitive, you know, cognitive resilience, cognition. And with cognition, it starts to decline. So your brain's starting to work slower. You're not producing as many neurochemicals, which make things happen in your brain. Your brain's not talking to itself, you know, directing what you should do. This area right behind your forehead is your prefrontal cortex, and it's the executive function center of your brain. It not only tells your brain what to do, but that's the voice that you hear inside your head. Mm. And it's not working as fast as it used to. Oh my gosh. So it's I'm, not I'm an immediate here. thing. <laughs> it's not, well, you don't notice it. I mean, it's a slow decline that you don't notice when you're in your 30s. But what happens is when you hit around your 40s, all of a sudden you have that tip of the tongue. It's like, mm-hmm. I, I know it, I see it, I can feel it, but I can't get it out. Why? You, you know, know how I feel like it, 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 you know, when your computer has that little thing in the middle that's spinning, 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 <laughs> yeah, spinning where yeah, I the am. processor's yes. slow. That's what I feel like we are. Our processors are slower, but I'm mm. fascinated with mm. this idea that our brains aren't fully developed till we're 25, but once they're fully developed, they start going downhill. So we're at our best for what, about a week? I mean, <laughs> that's what this sounds like. <laughs> no, no. Well, see here, um, I give numbers. I give chronological ages as just benchmarks. But your brain mm-hmm. has no idea how old you are. <laughs> if you're living a really brain healthy lifestyle, you will maintain a young functioning brain. Okay, say and that so again. Your brain, your brain doesn't brain care how- has no idea how old you are. Yeah, your chronological wow. age, it, it doesn't go by that. Okay. So your brain ages by the lifestyle that you lead. Mm. Okay, so what about somebody that's that's been through a lot of drug use in their in their earlier – I'm speaking for myself here. Um, this is so, not my question. I, this I is start, Christina this is, this, is, <laughs> this is my question. Because I started using, um, you know, drugs and alcohol at a very early age. So, I mean, I, I think it was 12, 12, 13, you know – and so that lasted, that ride lasted. I'm thinking about uh, starting until them now. I was 30. Well, I mean, you know, it's well, probably. Yeah, it, it did ahead. make a difference. It did make a difference. So, but the thing is, is you're still young enough. If you, if it lasted till you're around 30, you're still young. You were still young enough to start getting all of that back. And that's oh. sort of what I talk, what I talk about is how you can, um, increase your volume again. All the cells you lose, you can increase your volume again. You can get those chemicals, those neurochemicals functioning at a higher level again. And all that determines um, is determined by the lifestyle that you lead. Now you can go, you can build cognitive resilience. And that's what happens after you, after all that massive growth happened that you had no control over, it just happens. Now we have to plan on how we can start 
growing all the cells and connections and getting the neurochemicals flowing again. We have to plan for it. We have to do it. Mm-hmm. But our brain can do it. Our brain I is absolutely capable of doing it. We there's work on our physical me, health. Yeah, there's hope. I am so excited. And we're going to, if you can tell us how to turn on the spelling and the geography parts of her brain, we're good. Otherwise, she's a pretty fast thinker. She her It's like her processor works, but there might be a missing part. <laughs> maybe she was i think she might have been out chasing boys during geography class maybe and i wasn't i wasn't hot in high school so unfortunately i was in class okay so medical reasons for decline tell us exactly what is happening you know maybe not exactly or kind of sort of big picture what's happening with our brain as we age short of intervention well, short of us being super healthy about it what what would normally right. happen here Mm-hmm. Well, in your 30s, like I said, you're probably really pushing the limits of your social life and really enjoying, you know, um, eating what you want, drinking what you want, smoking what you want. You know, that's the time that you do all of those things and they really do make an impact on your brain. However, that is not, it, it can all be undone. Um, chronic disease is really, really difficult um, on your brain. And so that's one of those things that as you get older, you might, you know, maybe you've had problems with maintaining your blood sugar, or you've had problems with, uh, diabetes is really, really hard, but you know, I talk, I've written a number of articles on late onset alcoholism and that really Mm. pushes you over the edge. So, it's, it depends on, on these things we're going to talk about today, these different, you know, pieces of a brain healthy lifestyle, all of them are critically important. All of them can help increase um, cell growth in your brain and, and increase that volume and be able to start functioning at a higher level. The, the, here's the caveat. <laughs> you have to do it. <laughs> and that's everybody like, loves this. Kind of like the weightlifting and the cardio. <laughs> Well, but medically, what is what's taking place in the brain that causes it to causes us to lose memory and lose speed of function? What's what's actually going on inside the cranium there? Well, so what fires together wires together, and so when you're putting electro, our brain's electric, so it's all electrical impulses. Our memories are come in as electrical impulse and. And so when we create new pathways and new cells, we're supercharging the thoughts, the actions that are going on. If we don't use what we've already accumulated, we will lose it. The brain is very efficient in pruning off what you don't use. If you, I had terrible migraine headaches, which took a toll on my brain. There was no doubt that it took a toll on my brain because all the all everything was out of whack. And so when you are experiencing things like that, your brain is going to feel the consequences of cells dying off and and your brain slowing down. And it's um, but nobody understands why that's actually happening. If you have to take a lot of medicine for, you know, for a very long period of time, that has an effect on your brain. So all of these things that aren't natural for us to be living with, meds and, you know, um, chronic diseases, all have an effect on our brain. And they will 
kill cells. Stress is stress is horrible mm. for our brain. It, it it will just go cortisol will just kill cells. So it's a, it's a matter of being able to. I'm just to, Christine. Um, I'm about to die over here. I'm like, we got to get to the part where I'm going to fix my brain because I t- I did suffer <laughs> with migraines, and there's few yeah. things in life that'll make you think you're going crazy or than having migraines. They are so debilitating and so yeah. difficult to deal with, and then stress. Um, <laughs> I mean, stress is the number one factor, right? I mean, like if you think about where our society is today, right? It has, culture has shifted so much. And I talk about this. Culture has shifted so much that we are getting fed so much in one day now to process and prune. I mean, and then the stress level of all that you're processing. I mean, I couldn't... it's a but lot. there was a certain pride to that in the nineties, that hustle culture and you know, be sure. all do all everything. There was almost a pride in saying, oh, I'm just so stressed out and so well, busy. That was crazy. We didn't we didn't have twenty four seven news coming at us yes. all yes. the time. And when I talk about I teach a total memory workout course and one of the <laughs> we things need I that. talk about is <laughs> Is don't don't start your day with the news, you know. And I do a lot of your brain at work type thing too. So can you give Christine a discount on this course? <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking the course, just so you know, Patricia. We're gonna have. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the guinea pig, and I'm gonna take the course, and I'm gonna do it to the T. So here we go. But but there but all of these things, you know, learning how to use your brain effectively at work, it changes the way you do everything. Um, mm. by the way your brain works. And, okay. you know, you might need to... Re- it, so there's all different kinds of things that happens like that. But when you're living a healthy lifestyle, you're starting to get your brain function up to where it needs to be so that it's functioning at a higher level. Sure. You're not... COVID really did a number on so many people. Oh, my gosh, Patricia. Of- oh, I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we had it last month, and I think I've just oh, become yeah. stupid. Gail, Gail I mean, is not firing. Is She's the cylinder is like, is that, my spark plugs need to be changed out because yeah. things I know, like I'll walk into a room and couldn't remember what I was going to tell my husband. And last week I was supposed to call in our dinner order and he's being so gracious to pick up dinner, you know, and I'm not cooking. And he gets there. He said, did you call in the order yet? I'm like, nope, completely forgot. I mean, it was minutes. I mean, we're not talking about last week. Mm -hmm. So would you send us some of your information? I want to, I want to run down these real quick because I want to dive into a few of them before we move on. You said the reasons for decline were the brain shrinks through aging. We lose brain cells if we don't use them, which I thought was funny is because we've also found out the vagina unused can become (laughs) a dried up landing strip. So we got to use both ends, ladies. Keep it moving. Noisy processing. I don't know what that means. Weakened neuromodulatory function. Neuromodulatory. Christina, did you hear me say that? That was good, wasn't it? Yes. And negative learning. That was really good. So you said the brain doesn't know how old we are, but there is shrinking that goes on. How, put those, help me understand right. those two together. Well, if you're not living a healthy lifestyle, um, you're losing cells. You're killing off cells. And so the brain's shrinking as you're getting, you know, as you age. Now, maybe it's just 
nothing really dramatic that you're doing to yourself or the type of life you're living. However, if you're not replenishing what you're losing, you're still going to feel, I mean, aging with aging, you lose cells. There's a lot of things that happen with aging that cause you to lose cells. Mm-hmm. So that and is so one area re- that the brain is aware of aging. So, right, right. And, That's and, the and, but again, the, bra- okay. the brain ages by the lifestyle that you lead. If you never so me- sleep. Let me ask you this just on a side uh-huh. on a sidebar with that. You know, I've read this book. It's called The One Thing. And in there it states because, you know, it, it talks about how people were not meant to be task task people, right? They they were not meant to multitask. Right. And is it, it, so so is it tr- in your research have you found that multitasking actually depletes the brain cells as well? Well, I don't it, it's not so much depleting the brain cells but you're not going to get the outcomes that you want because you're trying when you're doing two things that require cognitive attention your brain isn't capable of it goes from one side to the other it splits yeah. down the middle and so you you start to do a project and then you've got another really big project that has to be done. So you stop doing the project you're doing and you jump to the next project and yet you don't get to the level of, of cognition that you need in order to make it as good as it can be. Multitasking can take you down to an eighth grade uh, level of, you know, holy, holy <laughs> of attention and cognition. So Woo! okay, let's, now, let's write that you, one down. You, <laughs> if you if you're doing something that requires your cognitive skills, but you're also doing something that's just a habit, you don't have to think about it at all. That's okay. Yeah, you know so because that's that below your level of awareness. You're just doing it. Yeah, it so can that's take okay. you, you down can do two things at one time. It can take you down to an eighth grade level of cognition and mm-hmm. what was the other word? Um. I would just say cognition. I mean, there's no attention. There's nothing. Most of the time, if you're at a big meeting, this has been the attention big thing. Was that the one people I was were texting for during meetings and not listening to what was going on. And they I ended up volunteering for something they never even knew about. So, Christina, you would you ever do you that? Cognitively, <laughs> you can't stay cognitively aware of both things if they are high-level thinking projects. Hmm. Okay, wow. I can see okay. that. So basically, think about say, driving and talking on a telephone. Mm-mm. I would never do that either. <laughs> Girl, <laughs> Christina's looking at me. Okay. So if you're not living a healthy lifestyle, the brain will shrink with aging. What is noisy mm-hmm. processing, deterioration yeah, of sensory input? As we get older, our hearing starts to decline. And they're saying hearing loss is now an aging issue. Because we lose the hair cells and they don't regenerate. So hearing loss is uh, auditory input is the, the most used way of us getting information into our brains. And if we can't hear what people are telling us, our brains slow down. If you, don't, if you have untreated hearing loss, you put yourself at a high risk for dementia. Visually, that's our next strongest um, way of bringing in information into our brain. And again, if you don't take measures to correct poor vision, then you're, you know, then you run into trouble too, because your brain can only use what it can, you know, it, it can't use fuzzy signals. 
Oh and my I gosh. I said I'm just like mind blown. So untreated I'm, hearing I'm loss just <laughs> puts you at increased risk for dementia. Did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a really big deal right now. You're starting okay. to see a lot more about hearing loss. My husband really? has some hearing loss from working in manufacturing plants his entire life. And mm-hmm. well, you we know, before get we had hearing, hearing aid, before we have hearing protection, <laughs> and that's what he does now. Funny enough, is he's in safety, and you know he's on everybody to wear their hearing protection. But back in the day, they didn't have that. So right, right. And I've been on him to get a hearing aid, and he's like, husband is. He's such hottie for his age, but the hearing aid, that's almost <laughs> like a cane to him. He's like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, and tell and him, you're going to miss something important, honey. You're going to miss something that's important. And problem. he's wicked smart. I need a hearing aid. I'll, I'll be the first one to be like, give me a hearing aid so I can keep this train moving. I think like, you just can't hear uh, through your hair. Your hair's so thick. <laughs> that's your <problem>. Okay. <laughs> what is weakened so, neuromodulatory function? Those are the brain chemistry. That's the brain chemistry. Um, this is where drug everything- use comes into play. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens in the brain, or you've got uh, billions of brain cells, trillions of some and billions of others, but they don't touch each other. The, all the little ends that come off the cells are the communication. It comes into cell one through an axon and then it goes, or the dendrites collect all the information and sends it out the other side of the cell through the axon. But none of those ends touch another brain cell. In between is a small gap. It's called the synaptic gap. And that's the only thing, that's where the chemicals are in your brain. So So when an impulse comes in and it goes through, you know, brain, brain cell to brain cell, it has to cross the synaptic gap to make it to the other brain cell. And that's what those brain, that's what the brain chemistry does. Acetylcholine is really big with movement and communication. And when you have Alzheimer's disease, you're not producing acetylcholine anymore. So your brain isn't able to communicate from cell to cell. That's body functions. Everything shuts, starts shutting down. So in the same thing with dopamine and, and any of the other neurotransmitters, they normally decrease as we're getting older. We're not producing as many as we used to. So we have to be able to beef that back up again. So what what happens for the, the brain that, you know, people who suffer from depression who have to take the the medications that do the serotonin and the the uptake and all that <laughs> stuff? I don't, I don't. Yeah, the SSRIs. It, it, Thank you. Yeah. Well, here's a here's a really nice note about that. This is in in terms of serotonin. We have actually three brains in our body. We have the cranial brain, we have the heart brain, and we have the gut brain. And the gut brain is really powerful. All the Mm -hmm. microbiome are actually communicating and the gut brain sends messages to the cranial brain. And there's actually more serotonin um, produced in the gut than in the cranial brain. What? <laughs> yeah. So there's all kinds of things going on about antidepressants right now. And um, there's a lot of research going on. And, you know, are they effective in the long run? And we're not doing the right thing to stimulate them. And, and so this is a huge area of research that's going on right now. 
Interesting, because there's a lot of people who have come out of COVID, you know, our children, Mm -hmm. uh, people who've had COVID, who suffered from depression. I know my dad, prior to him passing, he had gotten COVID and that was, you know, the end of for him. But he was a little bit like I'd never seen him depressed or, you know, have any kind of mental decline. And I saw that when you know, when we were in kind of these final stages of, of, right, you know, right. the end. And so, you know, they were talking about putting him on a, 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 a depression medicine and they gave him Zoloft and that just didn't like, did not work well at right, all for right. him. Like at all. He, he was actually hallucinating. Mm-hmm. And it was really bad, so we had to pull him off of everything. So it's right. interesting to me that th- there's they're doing research here because I think that that's really important. Because, like I said, coming out of COVID, there's a lot of kids that ended up becoming. Well, it's depressed. interesting too because even a lot of the mental health medications we have, they say, you know, they shouldn't be used on the very young or the elderly. So there's definitely some mm-hmm. differences with our brain. So there's just a, because there's for the sake new, of time, go ahead, yes. Patricia. <laughs> yeah, we could go on about that for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And we, please, would you come back sometime? We know you're yeah, very busy, you're but. You're going to have to come back, Patricia. <laughs> sometime before you, we die, would you please come back? Because <laughs> I feel like we're I not going to get I through this today. Will. Okay. Tell us just but real quickly. I think quickly, we're just doing a quick overview. <laughs> negative okay. learning. What is negative learning? Well, um, our brain is actually plastic. It's called neuroplasticity, mm-hmm. and it adapts to the environment. Now, if you're in a toxic environment, your brain you're going to go you're going to go toxic because your brain is going to be adapting to that environment. You're not going to thrive. You're not you, nothing's going to work for you because you put yourself in an environment where your brain sees everything negative. In another sense. If you put yourself in a positive environment, your brain is going to adapt to that. So negative learning means that it's picking, you're you're doing something every day that's not right, it's not working, but your brain is picking it up because you're doing it every day. Mm. And so now it's going to start, I talk about, um, this is hearing and watching TV. And what happens is, is that people who don't, believe that they have any hearing (laughs) loss, keep turning the volume up on the TV because they can't hear it anymore. But that doesn't do anything for the brain. That's like turning static up on a radio. But your brain is going to get used to that higher frequency that you are turning it up to. Now you go out and you're in a crowd of people and you're trying to talk to somebody right across from you and you can't hear them talk to you back. Because you've trained your brain to hear at a whole different level. And that's negative learning. Mm, Holy crap. Like I'm over here like, maybe that's Uh, my problem. My brain is blown plumb out of its (laughs) little cranial skull cap there. Okay. Just so that we can get through what we wanted to cover today. Okay. I think we have gotten the point that lifestyle impacts our brain. And you've said that bad lifestyle habits account for a 70% risk of dementia. So with that Mm. known, and that said, we want to go quickly through your bullet points on 
what we okay. can do to live a healthy brain lifestyle. Go, Patricia. Okay. Give us your best. We're ready to take notes. We can do this. We can do. So the I always start off with physical exercise and. It's something that most people know they have to do because they're if they're tuned to fitness, wellness and fitness, they think about physical exercise. Yeah. But what happens is, is our brain is uh, the prefrontal cortex that I mentioned before is a little, little energy cannibal. And our brain can't make, it, it doesn't have a source of energy. So it has to get blood, oxygen, and carbs from each and every heartbeat, 20% of the all the blood, all the carbs, all the oxygen in our body goes to the brain on every heartbeat. Now, that's okay, but if we're really sedentary and that's a big problem, we're not sending that up to our brain for it to use for energy. So what happens then is we become lethargic and we can't, you know, we just can't get it done. So we have to get out. We have to do some type of aerobic exercise to pick up our heartbeat and start pumping more blood, oxygen, and carbs to your brain. If you have something really important that you have to be really um, sharp on, uh, go take a walk. If you have an important meeting, do a walking meeting because you're, you'll be more creative. You'll think of more things because your brain now is functioning with the energy that it needs. So that's part one. But the I other mean, thing I, that I'm happens still mind when, blown. So not only are we fat and unhealthy, but we're getting stupider by sitting on the couch. Okay, keep going, Patricia. <laughs> well, clearly, clearly so, we need to be up and around all day clearly long, moving our wreck. bodies. Well, Gail, so, I'm right there so, with you. So, you know, we're, we're well, changing so, things. So here's the other part of this. Remember, I said we have to grow new brain cells to, re yeah. to replace the ones that we've lost. When you're pushing that blood, carbs, and oxygen to your to your brain through exercise, you're releasing a neurohormone called BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. Now, you don't need to remember that, but the only way BDNF is released is through exercise, and it helps uh, new little neurons bud, and it protects them. It's like a fertilizer for the brain and growing new brain cells. Now, this is, this is a really new concept within the last 20 years because we never thought we could break, you know, grow new brain cells before. We lost them. Really? We lost them. Yeah. No. We, we, the brain we had at 25 and what we lost, that was all we were going to have. We would just keep losing cells. But then they discovered neurogenesis, which is growing new brain cells, which is what, the, is what BDNF helps with, and neuroplasticity, where we're retraining in, you know, um, our brain are two recent, and that's what has spawned this whole brain health industry. Wow. So physical, ex <laughs> yeah, physical exercise is really important to help your brain function at a higher level, plus help you grow new brain cells. Okay. So, that's wow. number one, physical exercise. Okay. Number two. Get your heartbeat going. That's Get the heartbeat challenge. going. That's challenge. That's mental stimulation. Now I had mentioned before, if you don't use it, you lose it. Or if I didn't, if you don't use it, you lose it. And it's really true with this. We have to continually challenge our brain. If we're not in an environment, a novel and complex environment, our brain gets stagnant. And again, speed of processing slows down, and you know things losing cells. So we have to build a stronger brain by challenging it. With it doesn't have to be, you know, like academic challenging, go to a country where you don't speak the language and you have no idea where you are. Your brain loves stuff like that. 
learn a new, learn an instrument, a language, all of those things really do multiple things to your brain. And so you're using the cells that you created when you were doing physical exercise, you're getting those up to speed. And you're also, you also are creating new neural pathways, which are, which make everything happen and make our volume increase with, with challenging your brain. Wordle is sort of a good one for this because it makes people sort of think, you know, about it's a quick, it can be a quick thing. And a lot of the brain fitness programs, the online uh, programs are, are on mental challenge. So you want to create more cells and more cells and more cells. You want to get your brain as strong as you can. And so wow. that's what happens with mental stimulation. I think I'm going to take up piano and I'm going to try and learn to speak Spanish for the umpteenth time. So, okay. Can you give us just a few suggestions? Because I read recently <laughs> that just doing crosswords and things like that is not really that helpful. So my daily wordle exercise may not be enough to keep me, even though okay. I, I'm wordle obsessed for those of you who are playing that game. <laughs> Um, what Anything a couple of good recommendations? Yes, right. Anything that becomes um, easy, your brain doesn't care about it anymore. You just do it, and it, it's fallen into the subconscious level almost. That's why crossword mm. puzzles and Sudoku. There's one other thing that you can do though about that. You can put yourself on a time, on a timer, and try to get everything complete before the timer goes off. So you're pushing Ooh. your brain to start working harder. Okay. If it's something like so as long as to- wordle is hard it's challenging my brain right <laughs> yeah did you see my yes. timer <laughs> i have is a timer an apple it is a an tomato. apple timer oh my gosh no, it's an apple timer what are you oh, it's a, a homeschool mom no, I, listen <laughs> i had to start i i don't know what prompted me to do this but it was just like i need to get stuff done faster and I'm noticing because you've rolled that pressure on to me and you'll say, I've got to go. I've got to do this. But now, no, it's this stupid timer. I hope it crashes because you're causing me stress. Okay. So give us some good things we could do. Well, um, so I the online brain training things, that's what everybody thinks brain fitness, is, brain health is all about or all the lo- online games like there's um, – Brain HQ by Posit Science. Mm-hmm, I've seen that. Which is, it's got really, really deep research to support. They put everything in, in gaming. It's really hard, but you can you can notice your brain getting faster and you're remembering more when you go through those programs. But that's not the only thing you can do. Um, there's a couple other ones. Rosetta Stone has fit brains. And then there was Lumosity a few years ago. And mm-hmm. Lumosity was good, but they marketed it bad and they got hit hard with fines. So, so me, it's, um, what, yeah. can I, can I just pause right there? What about, cause my husband and I, we went one night for a date night and we played Halo, which is a, you know, is a video game. And I was like, I suck at video games. Like I suck at hand or eye coordination stuff. And I was like, but I really like this game. So we bought a gaming machine and we have it. And I'm like, I want to learn how to do this. So That's the that beginning something? of the end right there, Christina. <laughs> Your brain is going straight to mushy 
hell? <laughs> well, I don't know because because it is something different and I don't know how to use those things. So is that something that you could do or is that maybe not, yes, a, not a good yes. idea? Okay. Anything anything that's really you fumble around with and you're you're just learning it and it's hard, your brain loves. Once so it's basically learning something easy, new. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, continually learning something new. And and like I said, it doesn't have to be academic. It can be anything that um, you haven't done before. And then become a master of it. And your brain will flourish with stuff like that. And then you find something else. So nice. once so it becomes learning easy, something it's not new, doing anything. Some yeah. of the computerized games, <laughs> learning something new, foreign right. learning a new right. language. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, yes. Yes. Okay. I'm telling you, Gail, there's a lot of learn. St- there's a lot of a lot of research that shows that um, if you're bilingual, your brain is functioning on a much higher level. What? That's our problem, Gail. Hola, como estas? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Thank we, you. We How about you. yourself? <laughs> Ciao. <laughs> there's, there's three languages right there. Let's learn speak Japanese any of together. <laughs> no, that's a, that, no, that's a no. Okay, so what about board games? Scrabble. Board games are good. Yeah. Yeah. They're really good. And everybody looks at them because they're so old school, but a lot of them require strategy and you don't have a defined outcome on what it's going to be. And so, yeah, board games are good. A jigsaw puzzle more than 500 pieces is good. Okay. Oh my gosh. Can puzzle I just tell you, we did a puzzle pieces. that was crazy big during the pandemic. The, you know, the first wave yeah, of like, there's one on my dining room table right now go. and finish. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Girl, we sat there for days just trying to put when it together and it just recording. I'm going in there and work on it. <laughs> <laughs> See if I can do, get I some it. more sales going. Christina, I have to tell you about something new. You know I love a new product. Oh, girl, don't I know it. Well, they're new to me anyway, and they're called Tidewater Sandals, and they are the coolest flip-flops. Ooh, tell me about the flip-flops. Well, you know I love going to the beach, so I'm always searching for a great quality flip-flop, and I think these are it. They're made of a high-density yoga mat material that molds to the shape of your foot. Mmm, that sounds like you're walking on pillows. They are so cushiony, so comfy, but here's the other thing. They're super lightweight, so they're easy to throw in your beach bag or into your suitcase for travel. How awesome is that? Oh, I love that because it doesn't take up space and weight. Well, also let me tell you how cute they are. You can get them in gingham, you can get them in palmetto, you can get them with state pride, you can get them with little wine bottles, mermaids, anything you can imagine that would be cute for the beach, they have it. And they even have them for men too. How awesome is that? Oh, I love it. Well, uh, there's even more good news. Uh, Tell me all the deets. You can go to TidewaterSandals.com and at checkout, put in the code MidlifeMoxie and you'll get 20% off. That is a really good savings. That's one fifth off. So what are you going to get first? Well, I think I'm going to get me a llama pair. Oh, those will be so cute. We'll have to wear ours together. So remember, listeners, go to TidewaterSandals.com and put in Midlife Moxie and you'll save 20% off cute, comfortable sandals for this summer's amazing time at the beach. Now back to the show. Okay. Okay. Mental stimulation. Okay. That's number two. Number three. 
nourish nutrition. This is really important. Oh. I used to say when I would go through one, this is really important. Then the next one, this well, they're all important. You have to do all of them at some, you know, at some level. So our our brain is very specific about what type of um, you know vitamins, antioxidants, all that stuff it needs to 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 really be able to work really well. So you need a healthy nutrient dense dietary uh, diet. Um, the Mediterranean diet is what is, has been, and it still is like the gold standard for getting the right types of foods that will do the most for your brain. There's mm. one that they took the Mediterranean diet and the DASH diet, which was the heart diet and put them together. And it's called the mind diet. And that gets, that gets you a little more, it's, it's really heavy Mediterranean. It gives you a little more freedom on some things and cuts back on a few other things. Olive but you oil. need to eat. Yeah, olive oil. Yeah. Um, okay, now let me be clear so for our listeners. Eat. We're not talking about weight loss diets. We're talking diet as no, a way no. of eating. Yes, right. an ongoing right. way of eating. Right. You're you're eating uh, foods that give you the nutrition your brain needs, and it and also your heart. If you know how to eat for heart health, you know how to eat for brain health. So those so are one and the same. Yeah, pretty much so. Your brain and your heart are intimately okay. connected. So you have to remember there's a brain in your heart. <laughs> so a dark leafy greens, dark red skin fruits, um, cold water fatty fish, um, red wine, <laughs> dark chocolate. <laughs> Got to give you the good stuff too. Cut back on your red meat. You really want to get more heavy into vegetables and fruits. And you so, can have a little bit of red meat. Nobody's going to take it all away. But you want to be really careful about the type of fats you take in. So that's why olive oil is so good. But so the really vegetarian diet would actually be good for your brain if you as long if you, as you yeah if you There's if you're true that you to need. it. Right, right. I was just listening. It was a whole week program. I didn't realize it was going to be a vegetarian program, but yeah, it was all about for brain health and it ended up being plant-based. And so so my husband can make up some space there. He he can't hear well, but he's eating those vegetables. So maybe that's how he stays so quick. I love that. Leafy greens, red skin fruits, you said. So like berries, blueberries, cherries, strawberries. Yeah. I just had a big bowl of blackberries, strawberries, All right. and I goji berries. Watch me go. The next 30 minutes, I'm going to be on fleek, I'm sure. So <laughs> I love that because in reading some of your th- stuff here, you said those type of diets also help prevent depression and anxiety. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So, and, and so the microbiome is playing a huge role in this nutrition part. And I don't, functional medicine doctors really look at uh, microbiome when they're working Mm -hmm. with people. And so they actually look at nutrition as their way of entering in and seeing what's going on. And they can Mm -hmm. find problems just by the food people are eating. So the, the microbiome though, is just, it really has a lot to do with depression and anxiety. And um, it's sending signals to the brain on that. But when you eat the right food, it's happy. <laughs> wow. So you need to, it's, 
so this is this ends up being whole body, whole brain. You know, this is a really holistic way of looking at everything. So, but the the food you eat is really really critical. And why lower the alcohol intake? Because I had big plans of you know, like my friend and I have even talked about Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville Retirement Village because we we want to play bingo <laughs> and drink margaritas. So. Um, tell me why we need to, and I'm not a big drinker, but you know, I would, I thought in my older years, I wouldn't care and I might drink more because you know, who gives a crap, but you're saying no. No, and alcohol is not very good for your brain. <laughs> Even, um, they, they put out, I don't know who put it out. I don't know if it was nutrition counselor or what, but the, you, you can drink moderately, but moderately means two drinks a day for a man, one drink a day for a woman. That's moderate. I don't know what low is. <laughs> Zero. Wow. And that's and you can't save it up for all on one day. Alcohol really it really affects your brain. It really starts to destroy your brain. Okay. We've yeah. been talking so about this that that's you know, the problem. We get menopause <laughs> and men get a Corvette and now they get to drink twice as much. This just really stinks. <laughs> So uh, when you when you say the the um, stuff about the drinking and the brain, um, oh crap! I had a question. Nope, too it's many gone. drinks. It's uh, too <laughs> many. To, to, this, we're proving our point. Okay, so <laughs> is that because alcohol destroys brain cells, or what is oh, what is that? No, yeah. alcohol does not. De- no, alcohol does not destroy brain cells, but it messes up all the other brain chemistries and. Mm. and is it everything. the sugar? But, is it the sugar that's in it? Well, that was the question. Yeah, sugar plays a huge part in it. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, when you overload, if you're diabetic and you're not taking care of yourself, you become insulin resistant, diabetes mm-hmm. type 2, you become insulin resistant. And so you're not, all that sugar is is not being processed in your brain. And it's actually um, cutting off capillaries where where all the exchanges come you know go through oh wow so now that's not working either so you're not so it makes you high risk for dementia because now none of the processes are working the way that they should and you and you you lose cells what i'm going to say patricia that is so fascinating is it's not just one part of our brain all these things impact that one thing there's different things that are impacted so you may have impact in yeah. one area, but you could do good in another area. But if you're just living crappy all around, that's going to impact all the areas. So I'm finding this right. super fascinating. We think of it as kind of a one channel, I think, and maybe that channel's off, but your brain's got all these channels and we can work on all of them. That's I, I've learned something here today that I feel like is just amazing. So just in the second time, number four, um connecting socialization this is we have a lot of this stuff like the physical exercise that's we have dna in our brains from our primitive ancestors they couldn't sit anywhere they had to keep moving or else they'd be eaten we have that dna we also have the dna of connecting of being with other people that's how they survived we have that dna we need to be with we need to have our tribe, our group, our friends, our family, whatever it is, we need to have because 
this is what hurt so many people with COVID is they were so isolated and they didn't have that. When we are with other people, we actually increase our cognitive abilities because we're talking to each other and we're like, this is, this is helping me with my cognitive abilities. Hopefully it's helping you because we're, so it can we're learning be these things. Virtually you're saying. Yeah. It's better if it's, if it's not, if it's in person, because we read each other. We need that emotional connection that's going on when we're with other people. The other thing it helps with, it mitigates stress. Like we have somebody that we can just dump on with all our stress mm-hmm. and they will help us get through it. That is so valuable to us. So being um, with other people is really critical. Have you ever heard of the blue zones? Yes. Mm-mm. What's that? No, what's that? There are areas. I, I have- there's areas around the world where people live to very advanced ages in very physic in very great physical and cognitive health. One of them's in Loma Linda, and um, there was a. They are all uh, members of a certain congregation. Um, I think it might have been the Church of Latter Day Saints, but I don't take. I don't know for sure on that. Anyway, they are a real tight community, and they they're there for each other. No matter what happens to one person, another person will help them. They know that they've, they're they there for each other, and they have to help as much. It, it's as important to help as it is to receive. So they interviewed this doctor. He's a cardiologist. He was in his 90s, mid-90s, and he still was doing surgeries, cardiac surgeries, three a week. He oh wasn't gosh. teaching. He was doing them. And when okay. they um, – Dan Butner – Dan Butner is a researcher, and he's got a lot of YouTube videos on the blue zones. So you can okay, see it's very interesting that. because since you um, said that, I went and looked because I was suspect that it might be the Adventist, and that is correct. It is the Adventist because uh, Adventists live um, vegetarian diets. They um, are mostly yeah. vegetarian. I don't think they eat pork. They don't drink. They they live a very healthy lifestyle as far as their nutrition. So. I love that. I love right. that. So yeah, here's a community wow. Okinawa, that is doing it well. Yeah, in Okinawa, in, in Okinawa, when you're born, you're born into your group. And you're with that group through your whole life. So uh, Blue What Zones if I don't are, like that group? It, <laughs> okay, so this, okay, you're said in person is best, but virtually does have some value. So if you're confined and you can't get out, this is better than nothing. Is that what I'm understanding correctly? Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah. with our elderly yeah. people who are confined, teaching them to use technology like FaceTime and Zoom could be very helpful to them. It could. It's just not that easy to do that. And that's what they found out. They're, I mean, they're learning lots of lessons that they, lots of things they did wrong. Um, mm. Because the people still couldn't feel the connection. They, could, mm. they couldn't figure out why, why am I talking to, you know, my daughter on, with, on the screen, you know. So it's, um, but yeah. Now you're I talking about people who have dementia? Health. Are you talking about people no, who have dementia or elderly are, people in general? And who were confined in, in long-term care. They didn't have to have dementia. 
but they were wow. during COVID. They were they had to stay in their rooms. Mm-hmm. They weren't mm-hmm. even allowed out of their rooms. So, so things like difficult. FaceTime was more confusing than helpful to them. Is that what you're saying? Well, they they couldn't do it themselves, and they didn't have. It was the staff that would have to do it for them, and uh-huh. and then they ran into a problem with that. So yeah, it um, was hard. It was, it was yeah. It was very but hard. there's a lot of new there's a lot of new uh, businesses popping up because everybody recognized that, and so it'll be remedied. It'll be yeah, remedied that for sure. There there are a couple of platforms that older people can use that. Aren't so, so you're confusing. saying if they can understand it, that it can be helpful. Like say sure, you live yeah. distance from your parents, your my dad's aging. If we could teach him to use, we've Facetimed with him before. Um, so yeah. if he can do it, that is good for him. You're saying? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, just want to make sure all, I got that just correct. Just communicating, just communicating with him is good, and then when he can actually see you, it's better. Mm. He's texting. So, the texts have been interesting. He likes his capitals, but then he's discovered the emojis. <laughs> so you can imagine what kind of emojis you get from an 88 year old, but we just have to laugh. And my brother has to remind him when he's on a group text, not to talk about the other one of us. Cause he likes to do that and gripe about which of his children is not doing the right thing. So sometimes he doesn't know he's in a group text. So that gets kind of funny, but anywho, so we have this need to connect. And so, mm. Uh, you know, I saw a, an uh, da, 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 experiment, find the word, scanning, in, in an area where they took, um, you know, younger people and paired them with older people to combat that loneliness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a shame that we have to have organizations or, you know, structures to do that, that we as humans don't just do that, that we've gotten away from that. So... Note to self, turn back, y'all, and know the inner, you know, let me say this. We homeschooled, and one of the first things you realize about homeschoolers is that they're intergenerational, because when we go to school, Mm -hmm. we are actually taught to socialize with people your own age, and uh, sometimes that we come out of school kind of expecting to do that throughout our life. And we're not really prepared to socialize with people in all age groups. And I think that's something we could easily change. Do you agree? Well, that's, that's, that's a big deal with, um, in, in aging services right now. Uh, I, I have an administrator's nursing home administrator's license and I, um, the place where I did my internship had a Montessori school and then they had the nursing home. And so mm-hmm. they would take the kids up to the floors to be with the older people because all these kids didn't have grandparents. They didn't mm-hmm. know how to be a, around older people. But there's a lot of that going on where we're having multi-generational interactions all the time so that everybody starts to become more comfortable with each other. So good. I'm That's glad really we're doing important. something about it. I think it's a shame we've had to formulate it, but as long as we get back to it and we, we realize that we've been in a deficit there. So that's great. Okay. We're on number five. Yeah. Okay. Sleep. (laughs) Okay. Can we just talk about how, how sleep really affects us? Because my friend sleep can really take a toll on both Gail and I, I mean, just to where we're like, foggy 
super foggy. She's on the West Coast. I'm on the East Coast. So we're kind of sleeping in shifts anyway. But we get so messed up that we never know when one of us is awake or asleep. It's crazy. (laughs) So tell us why sleep is important for our brain. Well, for one thing, um, when we sleep, that's when we encode all the memories that we've, all the impulses that have come in during the day that we think we're making memories of. They come in through the prefrontal cortex and then they're sort of, that's working memory. And then they're sort of sent to the hippocampus, which is deep brain. Uh, We have two of them on each side and they sit there. The hippocampus is the center of learning and memory. And so they sit there until the hippocampus has time to see what to do with those, with those impulses. So when he takes a look, when the hippocampus looks around and see what impulses you brought in during the day, It'll pick ones with strong signals. If it's not a strong signal, the hippocampus will say, nope, you're not a memory, which makes you think that you're forgetting things. But in reality, you probably never made the memory in the first place. So that's one thing that's really, I think there's a lot of ah ahas on that one. The other thing is, is what the hippocampus does is it looks around the brain to all the different areas of the brain to see if there's a memory similar to the memory you you brought in that day. And if it sees a similar memory, it will actually consolidate those memories. So it makes it stronger. It'll be easier for you to recall, but it'll never be exactly the same as either one of those memories or multiple memories that you made in the first place. Wow. So that's why if you, if you, you know, had a, a, a great group of friends in high school and then you all went your separate, you did all this stuff together, you know, you knew right. everything about each other. You go away for a few years and you come back for a reunion. And then all of a sudden, those things you did, are everybody's remembering something a little bit different about them. That's because they've had all these other memories added to them, which is sort of, they're all meshed in there now. And so they're not going to be exactly the same as they were when you took oh, them in word. the first place. I'm, I'm, I'm like, like, no wonder it's hard for me. Like, seriously, Gail, like if I see somebody out on the street, I'm like, shoot, did I go, like, which school did I go to? to with you. Like I have no idea. Well, you know what I've noticed? We've moved around the country a lot and I get really confused when I see someone that looks like somebody I know, but it's out of context. And I get really confused for a moment. Like I like, it almost jars me because I'm like, no, that can't be that person. I'm so sorry. I didn't turn my phone off. Okay. So then there's something else though, with our, you know, healing of the brain, right? Mm -hmm. While we sleep. When we Right. When we sleep, we we have a, a washing and cleaning system in our brain. It's called the glymphatic system. And so these are um, glymph cells, that another different kind of uh, cell that's in the brain. And they form channels throughout the brain where cerebral spinal fluid flows through them and starts washing your brain. <laughs> and it flushes out all of the toxins or the cell debris or any of the other things that have that have accumulated in your brain that day, it'll wash that out. It'll clean your brain. Now, here's a problem. When you don't sleep, all that stuff stays there. If you, if our listeners could see mine and Christine's faces right now, both our mouths are just a gate. They're just hanging open. We just don't even, like, we don't even know what to say except well, how I visualizing, You know how when you live in big cities, the street sweepers come through at night and clean up? Yes. That's what I'm imagining. Yeah, now that's sort of. I had 
I had on a blog I wrote about it. I had a little guy with a scrub brush brushing the brain as the oh. as the image. <laughs> but yeah, the glial cells. I, I didn't say the right glial cells are what form these channels and clean your brain out. <laughs> I I'm just, am I'm, just I'm like like now. You said this can also happen with napping. It doesn't have to be deep sleep for some of these things, right? Well, yeah, if you. Um, if you if you can take a good nap, these things can happen with napping too. A good nap, okay. Okay, I'll, so I, I can't I like give you nap. an amount of time or anything. That's really, um, but if you have trouble sleeping during the night, I, a nap is really um, replenishing. Because we mm-hmm. think of napping as laziness, but I, I'm a professional napper. Like I love, I love a good nap better than going to bed at night. I mean, I just getting on the couch, it seems a little naughty and a little like you're not supposed to, but in a little <laughs> indulgent, I think is part of what I like about it. But the, the thing of letting yourself sleep when your body says I'm sleepy seems very indulgent to me. That shouldn't be indulgent, but whatever as a society. Right. But it, does this also impact your neuroplasticity? getting good sleep? Um, no, it, not, not so much neuroplasticity. Um, your neuroplasticity is going to change when you're learning to play the piano and, you know, doing all of those other things. Okay. Then you're going to be, this is, you, neuroplasticity is also responsible for creating a habit. Mm. So when you create a habit, you're doing the same thing over and over repetitiously and consistently. And so you're well, making what do you call it when you can only create think- bad habits? Is, is there something wrong with my brain? I <laughs> seem to pick up lots of bad habits very easily, like eating a new chip or something. But then these good habits seem to be difficult. Oh, I think I think that appeals to some other parts of us, not just our brain. It's yes. just that's easy to do. And, and getting you don't even break a bad habit. You don't ever get rid of a bad habit. It's always there. You're layering it. If you if you want to get past that habit, you're layering it with a good habit. So that's why people who stop smoking, as soon as they pick up a cigarette and start smoking again, they just clicked on that bad habit that mm. they still had wired. Now, I'll tell you wanna... this: I tried to I tried to pick up a cigarette after I quit smoking, and I almost died. I was like, "This is not for me. Like, this is yeah. really not for yeah. me." I was I was like, "That's it. I'm done." Well, now you, you listed for me. us in, in the information, I, it just, the list grows, Christina, the list grows of what might be wrong with your brain. And um, the health consequences of sleep disturbance, you listed them as emotional, cognitive, and physical, things like it impacts your emotional control and response to stress. You said it impacts attention, memory, decision-making, and risk assessment. That's not good. So we're sleepy and we're taking risk. And physically, it reduces our immunity, risk increases our risk of cancer, heart disease, diabetes, and metabolic Mm. issues. Patricia, you're killing me over here. Everybody puts sleep off as sort of a frivolous thing. You know, they're proud of not being able to, of not sleeping. Yes. You know, I'm going to sleep forever when I'm dead. Why do I need to sleep? Well, now you see why. (laughs) You see why you need to get some sleep. Wow. And what's the so, average that people need to like really, especially for the midlife woman? What's that? What's that average sleep look like for for the midlife woman? They're saying they're saying about seven hours. Okay, mm. and is, is that seven hours of quality sleep? Do you need more if your sleep is not high quality? I don't. If your sleep isn't high quality, I don't know that 
and until you can get into that level where you have quality sleep, I don't, more is not going to be better. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we need to work you on have, quality. Not so more. I, when I give, when I give a course on this, we go through all the different things that you can do if you can't fall asleep and, you know, sleep hygiene, which it's a funny word for me for sleep is hygiene, but it is uh, just going through all the different things that might keep you from sleeping and then some solutions to that. Because I just think I can make up for poor sleep with sleeping some more and taking a nap. So it's good to know that's not helping any. Well, I okay. think your nap, your nap is going to make a big difference. Oh, it does help mm-hmm. then. Yeah. So yeah. a nap will help. Okay. So number yeah. six, as time ticks oh, on. Stress. <laughs> stress. Oh. So this is a big so one. So here's the thing about here's the thing about stress in your brain. This is another hardwired thing that we inherited from our our prehistoric ancestors. Our brain is always on alert. And if it senses a threat, it will go into the threat response, the stress response, well before you're even aware of it. Mm. It's the, our brain's purpose is to keep us alive. And so mm. the, the thing is, if you if you if your brain senses a threat, it doesn't matter if it's real or it's imaginary, it'll still start shooting off the adrenaline and you'll start going into the stress response. And that's what makes it so tough because of the world we live in. It's very hard. Um, I mean, with everything that goes on all the time anymore, there's a lot of imaginary stress that goes with this. Like what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. And so we have mm. to learn how to, you know, find our center and get calm and, and be able to react in a better way to all of this stress that's around us. Because I, I said it earlier, cortisol kills cells. It not only kills brain cells, but it kills heart cells. It kills all your yeah. organ cells, skin, everything. Mm-hmm. So stress is, See, I, is our biggest problem. I think that's another thing we've prided ourselves on, on being on high alert of being in that ooh, ready to go, ready to rumble stage at all times. I'm a beast. I'm uh, and we've not really prided ourselves on being calm, being relaxed. We've said that was lazy and slothful rather than, you know, we have right, oh right. my goodness, we've well, got some work to well, do here. Here's here's the thing though, Gil. We have to remember that, and we hear this a lot. And Patricia, we don't know if you have ever studied the Enneagram, but in the United States, we have a very three culture. It is, you know, performance, 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 and we have got to kick ass in everything that we do. And you see a lot of people um, sprinting all the time instead of really recognizing that a sprint is for a short period of time. And they keep Mm -hmm. uh, continuing to deplete their bodies. I have friends that deplete their bodies all the time. And I mean, I'm one of those people. But to watch now with a new understanding and to look at them and go, oh, no wonder you're going to the doctor so much. No wonder Mm -hmm. you have X, Y, and Z. Because all of these things that we talked about today are factors in their life. And right. um, I, I'm, I'm so glad that we're talking about this because maybe we could really break down, Gail. I mean, like, I don't know if you feel this way, but maybe we could really start to break down that three culture that has been so ingrained 
Well, we've got to, we've so got to love. We can do this. We've got to love and reward and compliment people for who they are and not just what they accomplish. I think that's a starting exactly. point. Exactly. I mean, I'm no doctor. I did not sleep at a Holiday Inn last night, but that's just my opinion. So. <laughs> Back to the expert, though. You've said in the notes you sent us that there's a difference in mild stress, which kind of makes us get on our toes and be our best. Like if we're right. um, doing a race or we have a right. little project versus you're talking about excessive and chronic stress that's harmful, correct? Our, yeah. Now the amygdala, again, it's deep brain on temporal lobe area by our ears. The uh, amygdala is the emotional center of the brain. And this is the, the amygdala is what is on, on alert all the time. And the problem, what happens is that the amygdala senses a threat when information's coming into us. It normally comes in through our prefrontal cortex, that area behind our forehead, which is our thinking, rational decision-making, planning, executive function system. And then it goes through the prefrontal cortex and then it's divvied out to whatever happens. But when we pick up stress as an alert, it goes to the amygdala, it completely takes the prefrontal cortex out of the loop. And what happens then is we're on reacting. We're not thinking anymore. We're just reacting. And that's mm. really dangerous. Oh, in so, so many ways. What, you know, yeah. So, and you think of, of anyone who has PTSD, and there's a lot of people now with PTSD after COVID, their amygdala is on fire. They they don't have the emotional control they need anymore to be able to think pros- properly and process information. And now those alerts are coming in and it's just they're responding. It's reacting, responding. And it's they can't get that under control. And so it's it I think it's really important to know how the action of our brain, we have a feedback loop in our brain that can stop that acute stress right away. But we override it. And then it goes into chronic stress. And then chronic stress, wow. it's a whole different system, but it's in the brain. The brain starts but we it, can, the brain can reverse it. it, correct, with the right therapies and behaviors and all that. That can't, That's right. not permanent. And, and immediate, immediately, you can stop it by doing three deep breaths. Have you ever had anybody talk to you about breath, breathing and breaths? <laughs> Like no, a little bit, but that or... sounds like a good episode. You're 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 getting yourself hired, Patricia, here for <laughs> <laughs> repeat appearances here. Well, so when you when you're in the midst of a an acute uh, stress situation where the adrenaline's flowing, it hasn't kicked off anything else yet. If you you step. You, you stop and you take three deep breaths. You can count them in, uh, count in four, hold for seven and blow out eight. So it, it really makes the brain, that'll, that'll kick you out of an immediate stress situation. Three deep breaths, so hold for seven, out on eight. Yeah, it's, um, it's a really good rescue to know. You know, when you're starting to spiral out of with a stress situation, just to stop and breathe, <laughs> get your, wow. your breath will center you again. So simple. So other ways to it is cultivate calm because we've got about two minutes left. Other ways to cultivate okay. calm. Well, everybody has a really difficult time. Now, I live in the Midwest 
And so we're finally getting spring and people are going back outside. Nature is incredibly generous <laughs> with us and really can help us, you know, calm down and make us, you know, realize that there's more than what's going on in our head at this time. So in nature, being in nature is really good. Um, I'm going to also a clinical aromatherapist. So I know certain aromatherapy blends that go right to the brain because you inhale them and have an immediate impact. So if you can, you know, there's, there's a bunch for anxiety and stress and all of that, that you just inhale and all of a sudden you feel better. <laughs> so that stops it too. And then I've got the app Calm. Are you familiar with the Calm yes, app? Yes, I have that app. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I have a hard time falling asleep. So I use the, the, use the sleep stories. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I didn't know how to meditate. And then I got out of the practice. And now it's even harder for me to get back into meditating. But meditating is incredibly powerful. Mm. And the meditating actually grows new brain cells, too. Wow. Yeah. Let so, me find um, my yoga mat. <laughs> so yeah, there's, um, and, and the other thing is, is take a look at your life. Are you keeping yourself in this, in this situation where everything is a, is critical? Um, you have to develop a sense of optimism about your life. Remember your, whatever you think is the way your brain's going to react. So if you're expecting something bad to happen, it'll happen. Mm. I did a, I did a class the, uh, last week. It was called Emotion Commotion, Conscious versus Subconscious Thoughts. Oh, my God. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. It was one of the best classes I ever did because everything's going. We, we're just talking about our conscious brain right now. The, well, the stress and all that. That's all in the subconscious brain, mm -hmm. which makes up 88% mm -hmm. of our brain mass. So that's so much. Our, the little tiny piece of conscious brain is right here. So the prefront, the cort, the cerebral cortex right here. Wow. Wow. 12%. So everything that we're doing, we're doing out of that 12% of our brain. Wow. <laughs> that would be, that would be a really good one. That is an incredible, I had so many ahas when I was researching that. And I've done them before about the power of the subconscious when it comes to marketing and, you know, sales mm -hmm. and all that stuff. But when you look at emotions with it, it's like, holy cow. <laughs> okay. Guess, guess who's coming back. Yeah. Guess who signed herself fifth. up for a re Yeah. She, <laughs> she like, said no, she was numerous busy, ones. But... Numerous, numerous. Yeah, We're going to be like. It's your fault, Patricia. Any other I things? love doing this. Oh gosh, we love this. Is so like, this is awesome. And I think this is such important information. It is. Well, so it really anything is. else we can do to cultivate calm? Because that seems like one of the best takeaways for today. Exercise, is well, that good? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Exercise is excellent for that. Remember, when you're exercising, you're getting more blood to your brain and your prefrontal cortex can get back in gear. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're out of that reactive stage then and you're back to your thinking planning stage. Can so socialization calm us? Being with friends or family, does that Yeah, it, it mitigates your stress impact. And when you wow. know you have those people that you can go to when you're really stressed out, it makes a huge difference in mm -hmm. your life. Yeah. Wow. So, For sure. Yeah. What about having fun? All of these things. The yeah. Is having fun? <laughs> what happened just... to having fun? Yeah. I, I'm a big fan. <laughs> 
I like to have, have fun and just do fun things. Have you heard of laughter yoga? No, no. But it sounds like my alley. <laughs> well, it's, I don't know why it's called yoga, except I think it was founded by somebody over in India, but, um, you have, you have, uh, facilitators and they, they walk you through and they throw out all the, your worst case scenarios at you. You know, you've got this bill, it's huge. It's overdue. You don't have any money coming in. What are you going to do? And then they make you stop and laugh and just laugh and have a big belly laughs because it, your brain doesn't know if it's real or not. And you're releasing oh all gosh. those chemicals oh to my make gosh, you feel better. When you just said that, my whole body, like, I was in panic mode because I was like, <sighs> so I could see how you, that would sh just yeah. help you to shift out. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And that wasn't even yeah. happening to me. It was just like, <laughs> to even feel that. Yeah. Oh. I'm like, an unpaid but, bill. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I, I know. <laughs> like, yeah. I started to stress out. Nobody wants that. Oh my gosh. So my it, mind yeah. is, if I didn't, I, I, let me just say this. I am confident, Patricia, that I have grown new brain cells during this last hour and 17 Yay. minutes. <laughs> Thank yes, you. That's good. Absolutely. That absolutely. Happy. I'm not feeling calm <laughs> though, because now I realize all the work I need to be doing. Wow. Well, you know, it's, you don't have to do everything all at one time. Mm -hmm. You know, ease into it. Don't create more that. stress. <laughs> yeah, don't you know, it, don't um, undo what you're doing. Well, it's it. hard to undo what you do, so that's why it's <laughs> easier to move in on a you know. Mm -hmm. well, Patricia, slowly. if people wanted to find out more about the work you do or get in contact with you, what's what's the best way to do that? I think um, email. Would be good. I, you know, because I always answer email and I don't okay. always answer my phone. <laughs> What's that email address? So, uh, I'm going to give you my, because I've got a website, myboomerbrain.com. Let's do your and website give you, and they can contact you through there, myboomerbrain.com. Boomerbrain.com, yeah. Oh, I've got to check that out myself. I didn't, I haven't even gotten there. Oh my gosh, I learned something else. Gosh, Patricia, I feel like this is so valuable and we are so grateful that you're willing to give your time like Thank this you. to help others. We mm. definitely want to have you back. Absolutely. 100%. So you let us know your next opening and we'll get you scheduled for another visit because I, I don't even know which thing to start with. Um, but until then, Christina, what do we always say? Go and get your moxie on. Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.